This episode is sponsored by JB Media. Tired of searching the web for a map that really brings to life the world you're setting for your players? Have you ever found one that's almost what you're looking for, but you need to add a little chaos and destruction to it? Look no further. JB Media designs maps and assets for your virtual tabletop. That's right. If you have a vision, JB Media can bring it to life, creating an immersive experience for your players that's unique to your campaign. Whether you're looking for a custom map for your VTT or simply assets for your maps, JB Media has you covered. You'll find bundles for summoning circles, ruins, rubble, things that are definitely not mimics, and more. Available for purchase on Roll20 and Patreon. Check out their work and give them a follow on Instagram at jbmedia.dnd and on Patreon. Links provided below in the episode description. Hey there! Welcome to the Wicked Cool Kids podcast, where a group of like-minded nerds hang out and talk about stuff. Mostly D&D, but sometimes real life creeps in as well. I'm Kristen, and today I'm sitting down with my friends Lee, Jason, and Joe. Hi, friends. Hello. Hi. Hello. This episode is all about relationships. Playing Dungeons & Dragons with people, you are bound to form relationships both in and out of the party, as well as in and out of the actual game. These people I'm speaking with today are people that I hold amongst the most dear in my tribe. For me, this is D&D. But it's not just about building relationships outside of the game. Relationships within the game can be an interesting dynamic as well. How did you meet this group you're adventuring with? Did two of you come from the same village? Are you related? Enemies putting aside your differences for the greater good? Lovers? Let's dive in and talk about the kinds of bonds and connections you find within the game and maybe even how they affect your feelings outside of the game. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so I know we've touched on this slightly in a previous episode, but Jason and I have played characters that are siblings and more recently fellow products of the same cult with an already established relationship prior to starting the game. Lee and I have played twins twice, actually, uh, but those aren't the only relationships that exist. Connecting characters is something that you're really good at, Jason, um, within your game, kind of weaving those relationships in. For example, in your newest installment of the campaign, you've connected certain characters. One example is Vex is the grandchild of her character in the last game. Joe's character, Karn, was connected to the world through another uh, one of Lee's old characters being associates. Um, one of Lee's current characters is a business associate of sorts with Chet's character. So let's talk about how you go about interweaving relationships within your world and the pros and cons of it all. I look for similarities in terms of job professions or location first and backstory helps a lot. And I'll I'll say to my players, like Lee comes said oh, I'm, I'm this character i'm pretty shady uh i might be into this kind of stuff and chet was like well i used to be part of this little gang when i was younger and i've grown up and i'm a little bit more of a established thief now so it, it, it wasn't a big jump for me to go well there might be some connections it, it makes sense for these two characters to at least know of each other if not know each other directly so let's see if they will have a relationship and that that means they can establish what they know about each other going forward and already kicked the the campaign off uh, with that relationship to go forward. Uh, other relationships, stuff like um, Khan and his profession, 
was what I grabbed in order to go, oh, you know Auric. Auric was this super influential artificer in the city, and you're also an artificer. It makes sense also professionally for you guys to know each other, which means you probably know this little thing that he made years ago called Fred. And fortunately, Auric's not on the scene anymore, but Fred has turned up, and you recognize that, and you recognize the work that's gone into him because you know his creator. Um, so it immediately go piques curiosity for your characters to introduce yourself as, oh, I know this person that you know. And mm. it allows you guys to then just flourish with that relationship moving forward. I don't know, I see okay. patterns and I <laughs> connect those patterns together, I guess, is, is my method. Yeah. So then we've all kind of had that experience in Jason's world where we come in and we already have an established relationship. How do you guys feel about that versus maybe in other campaigns when you're all just kind of thrust into a position together and, hey, you're at a tavern and you're looking at this notice board and you all decide to go on the same quest together and you don't have any relationships starting? Do you prefer one way or the other? Have you not really even cared enough to think about it more than just right now in this instance? I, I don't mind too much either way. I think I, if I'm asked... Uh, by a DMO, how do you know? You need to think about how you know all the other characters. I have a little bit of a panic because I'm worried about... Same thing I always talk about. I'm worried about stepping on toes. I don't want to impose my uh, character's backstory or my thoughts on someone else's. So I don't want to say, oh, well, I think I would know them from the coffee shop and then find out that they wanted their character to hate coffee and never go into a coffee shop. So that can be a source of kind of stress for me. But... Um, I um, I enjoy collaborating with other people to try and come up with those kind of those kind of relationships. But equally, if we all meet, having not met each other character-wise, um, uh, and our first encounter is you all enter a bar and you sit at the same table because there's a job board there, it means the first interaction is getting to know each other and learning about mm. the character and i have found that when we have pre-built relationships sometimes that initial introduction goes by the wayside a little bit and i find i know less about the characters i'm playing with because there's an assumption that oh we already know each other whereas when we meet at a job board everything we have to learn from scratch so i personally know that i make a bigger effort to be like oh but what do they like and what do they do and who are they mm -hmm. that's interesting also never ever i don't even think in fantasy world would i ever just be like hey it's a group of random people right there sitting at a table i should probably go and join them thank god it's fantasy i definitely <laughs> would never fantasy. do that in real yeah. life like Mm -mm, nope. It's stranger danger. There's an element on the the players to put themselves in that situation where you're going to group up those. Well, otherwise, yeah. what's the point of yeah. playing the game? Playing it's, the game. it's on the players know, to go. Whatever this first sessions is, until we get an actual relationship and rapport, I'm going to have mm -hmm. to just go along with it and to establish yeah. these connections first. And I think that's sure. totally what you accept in joining a campaign. I know, I know. But, uh, but like, like Joe's said about sitting on the table i watched an anime not too long ago and the name escaped me but they it's an adventure and dungeon delving anime and um, mm. each of them can't find a team and the un, without noticing go and just sit at an empty table that's there but they all sit down at the same time and um, contemplating to themselves looking down at the drink they all have these like little flashbacks 
and then simultaneously look up at each other and go, I'm at a table with a bunch of people and one of them's a tank, <laughs> one of them's a wizard, one of them's a healer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you can you can do so as long as it's done um, creatively and it's interesting and stuff like that because then you yeah. give the players the opportunity to go, oh, you're thinking about your backstory, what happened recently, what led you to this tavern? And then other people yeah. get a little insight to why they're there as well. So it That's forces fair. them to sort of think about that backstory in, in effect um, yeah. straight away as well. I, th- I think for me, it's sort of like a comfort thing um, with having like relationships, how you start. If I'm really comfortable with the group and I know all the people, I'm more than happy to not have a connection. Like it, I can, I find it easier. But if I'm starting a new group with people I don't know and there's only one person I know in there, it's easier for me to go in with a connection with that person so I've got that sort of safety net to fall back on and to be able to bring up topics I can speak about easily uh, with somebody I'm already comfortable with. But, yeah. Now, let's let's just take this and then flip it and look at it from a DM perspective. From a DM perspective, is it easier the same for you to have characters that come in that are pre-established is that helpful is that like it doesn't matter it's you know i've got the same amount of work either way how does that affect you on the other side of the screen i don't think it makes it that much of a difference to be honest um again it would it just all depends on what type of players you've got um some of them will definitely put the work in like jason was saying the, when you go to a first session, you should all be sort of like trying to make connections with each other because if you do, obviously, if you don't have a relationship, because that's the whole point of you guys being together, you're going to go on an adventure together. So, trying to not go with that short amount of rail track that you need to sit on to set up the adventure, it makes it very difficult for a DM. So, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're going to be like that, what was the point joining the game? You want to join a group of people and explore and go on an adventure. If you don't want mm. to do that maybe it's not for you yeah maybe play a solo campaign at that point yeah or play an rpg game somewhere mm. i i think we've um we've briefly touched on this in a previous episode but um it's nice to be able to expand on it and i feel like it's a great opportunity to role play as a loner who secretly wants to be with people or who is a loner because they're an asshole but really (laughs) still need the people around like there's there's ways of doing it so that you can be that loner style character as long as you consider the reason that they are there whether it's because i mean so keep bringing the same people up i'll bring up scratch again right he Mm -hmm. he was in his past life a loner but he surrounds himself with people that essentially can keep him alive he's Mm -hmm. all about the con and recognizes that he does not have strength or prowess and what yeah he's got spells but mostly his his art is in deception so he is not a loner specifically because he needs to surround him with himself with people that can help um and i think that's key is you can be the person that doesn't like being in big groups as long as there's a reason that you are in that big group yeah Mm -hmm. it's on the plate isn't it to find that reason of why I'm part of this group. And that can be totally for selfish reasons. It can be, oh, this group gets me into this kind of place or into this situation that I want to be in or gets me mm-hmm. closer to the information that I'm looking for. 
as long as you're not using also that that frame of mind to go, I'm going to fuck over the party at any point, I get the opportunity to. There's a un- unwritten rules with players, and, and you don't want to be that problem player that's constantly either off on their own, doing their own thing, or ruining the plans of the, the other party members. Because uh, you start getting into real problematic players at that point. It, it can destroy games. Well, funny you should mention that. The next thing I want to talk about is the loner. Um, We've all played with someone who likes to be the loner. I am sometimes that person that goes in and and portrays that person. Um, I feel like it's a tricky line to kind of toe. Staying true to your character whilst also remembering that you're part of the group can be difficult to manage, but it can be done. And it can lead to some really interesting, I think, character arcs, right? And make for really powerful um, relationships throughout the end of the story, right? Um, so let's talk about our experiences with this, the good, the bad, the ugly. Have you played a loner? How did it work out for you? How did it, you know, affect, I guess, the the party in general? As a DM, is it really, really obnoxious to have that character? Um, has it ever caused any drama like even in real life um outside of you know the party dynamic and uh yeah joe would you like to start with scratch since you already mentioned them and how you sort of play that kind of loner like preferably would be alone but needs these kind of relationships in order to get through what he's what he's currently doing yeah i mean i like i say i feel like um the one of the benefits of of being a loner is that i um i don't have to care about my party members too much like so the campaign that scratches in at the moment he's uh actually forming bonds um that i don't think he would have done in the past in fact i know he wouldn't have done in the past um but essentially like i say he cares about his companions mainly in the capacity of keeping himself alive in the previous campaign that he came from uh which was curse of strad people kept dying and him not having an emotional connection and not really caring about his companions helped a lot because he would have mm. been a puddle of mess otherwise except there was uh there was uh one fellow companion that he slept with really early on and they died like the next session so that sucked but uh outside of that yeah he he's his main attachments are out of necessity um i hope i think you guys can speak to this because you're in it i don't think he causes any issues in the campaign with his attitude um the, the only potential issue i feel like he almost caused once was uh there was a an encounter happening and he sort of made very little effort to move forward with the group because frankly he was scared of what was up ahead so went back to help an individual instead and but mm-hmm. i mean we we play to our characters right and that's what he would have done i don't yep. think he causes any issues but maybe you guys think otherwise no i don't I... never never felt that I mean, he causes issues with Miranda, but I think half of that is Miranda being... She's the one emotional con- like connection that he's actually latching onto as well. I-, I mean, I know, and she's she she's also got that reciprocity there, but like, she is very much so her, her brother, 
She's got a lot of siblings, but one specific brother, her family, and like the mission. And then she literally, one of her tenets is that um, relationships make you weak. They make you vulnerable. They give you uh, openings to have other people use you and hurt you. And so she she doesn't. Right. Um, and it's it's been interesting. And we will circle back to it because um, there are times with with her and with Winter, um, who actually I'm going to ask Lee about Lee. Um, runs the campaign that winter is in she is my tabaxi necromancer like i said an absolute delight except for she's not she is absolutely a loner and will do whatever she wants whenever she wants if the party's going this way she's literally just gone like peace out i'm gonna go over this way because i said that i thought that this was important and you guys didn't listen to me and i don't care what you have to say half the time she's not listening to the other people because she's just so in her head and focused on what she's doing um so i think that that's a group of people that all love each other on the outside right and so it makes it both easier to play that on the inside but also harder because you don't want to actually ruin those relationships in moments when it feels real um but lee have have you has anybody ever and it's okay i, I mean maybe i won't even <laughs> listen you can just talk to the audience right now has anybody ever come to you and been like Kristen needs to stop with winter because she's absolutely terrible no i don't see i don't think you She's as bad as you make her out to be. Um, she's yeah, not. She, she really yeah, isn't. Everybody she'll just she'll go against. There. She'll go against some things the party like uh, want to do and stuff. But you know that happens in the majority of the indie groups. People have um, arguments or disagreements, difference of opinions, and they might want to do both plans at once. And some will go off to do this, and others will go the other way. Uh, yeah, I don't. The only player, well, not player. Yeah, player. I don't. I'm not going to say the name. They're not in the Discord group or anything like that. But I had one person, and they want to be the focus of the group. The attention mm. was not on them at all. It was a fucking nightmare to try and run. And I'd spoke to him, said to him, "Like you need to reel it back. You need to know that you, this is not just about your character. Other characters have like got stuff on, and everybody's here to have fun. It's a a group game." And we had this one scene, it was set up for this character, he was going through some stuff, and he was able to get past this door that nobody else could get through, and it was, I think everybody sort of knew, it was his sort of like arc, where it was going for him. And she tried to get through the door, wouldn't work for her. She tried to get somebody else to get through the door for her, and it wouldn't work. Then when this character went to do it, and the door started moving, she said, she messaged me on the side and said, I want to put loads of rocks into my pockets and carry them in my arms and then walk into the water to drown. What? I was like, yeah, it, yeah. So that to me is like selfish player. There's something going on that's important for uh, like everybody else. That's like a, the loner player that you don't want in your group. There's something going yeah. on that's important to another character and you are trying to make it about you and take away from that that situation rather than you know, like support them or just stay quiet that, and... that's just like the spotlight huggers yep isn't it? it's like oh it's not it's not yep. it's it's, it's, it's not really about bad. me right now so i'm gonna do everything i can to make it about me uh even if that means putting my character in life or death situations so the team have to then come and save me from what i'm doing i was like just don't just don't do it yeah just go well, in... that was a that was a turning point and we ended up parting ways uh after that because it was just 
It was not yeah. fair on the rest of the group for that. Like, it was supposed to be a really big thing for their their character, and this mm-hmm. this individual tried to take it away. And I was like, no, that's not happening. That's not how it's played. So yeah, that's that's nowhere near what winter's like. So no, no, there you go. Yeah, so, sometimes I, I feel that's the bar. <laughs> so, sometimes I feel like I I hog the spotlight a lot, but I I don't mean to do it on purpose. I I don't. I don't like it when things are silent and some of the plays and some of our games are just happy to sit there silently until a fight starts. Mm-hmm. So I always feel like I'm, a, I'm role-playing a lot, especially with you, Kristen, and you, Joe, yeah. when we play with certain other other people. It's just quiet. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to say something because I don't want the, the, you, you or, pauses or and, some, yeah. some other DM to be sitting there waiting for something to happen that's not coming. I was like, I'm just going to fill this silence with something and keep yeah. it going. And that oftentimes makes the attention more on me indirectly when I don't want it to be. I just don't want it to add the DM to feel rushed into moving on forward that they don't want to. Uh, or other players feel like they're not like interacting. And I do try and pull other players in by asking them a question or, or like, doing it and it's like oh here's an opportunity during the conversation and the role play i can hand it over to another player go what do you think such and such a person um but it is a fine line to kind of tread and it's nice to get feedback from other people especially the dm if they're going oh you kind of talked a lot that game and there's other people that were trying to butt in there that you talked over because sometimes when you're in the moment you don't realize someone else is trying to talk as well so you just end up going like steamrolling through them so it's nice to i'd, I'd always appreciate a dm or another player going you, you talked a lot then it, I, I tried to jump in but it's just like it was hard because yeah. you were going like that constructive feedback i think is helpful in dnt games and especially maintaining those relationships outside of the game as well yeah, yeah. definitely have an open communication with your players and dm that's that's probably the key to it all yeah, I mean, we've um, we've talked lots of times about uh, the concept of, hey, just talk to your players, hey, just talk to your DM, and it's so important. But equally important, I'm going to uh, think of myself, is n- not letting that be a worry so much. I, sp- I feel like I spend so much of my time being like, well, I, like I said, I don't want to step on people's toes, and oh, I, don't, I hope I don't upset you guys, I don't know, but you guys do talk to me very openly, so I do know, because... If Scratch was an issue, for example, you would have told me by now. So, yeah, open communication between DM and players is super important, but also don't be too hard on yourself and don't worry too much about um, the effect you're having as long as you are being open with that communication and asking people, mm-hmm. is this okay? Yeah. Yeah. So, I um, first of all, to anybody listening that, ever plays in a game with me if you feel like i just talk too much i first of all agree with you because after our thursday session i literally apologized to lee i sent him a message and i was like i'm sorry it was the Kristen show (laughs) but again it was one of those where we were down some players and then other players were distracted because they had dinner that they were eating and other things that were going around in their house. And so it took a lot of the role play out of it because those people could not actually interact. So instead of having it just be dead space, right, there's us trying to fill it in. Fill the void, um, yeah, constantly. So, yeah. yeah, if at any point in time anybody ever feels like they need me to shut up, like if you don't even want to say it in those words, fine, we'll come up with some other word like... Uh, 
pickle face. I don't know. Whatever it is that makes pickle sense rich. to you. Just, yeah. being, <laughs> being one of those players who literally abandoned you halfway through a sentence because I had children jumping up and down on a bed. Well, it, exactly to my I point. Really That's why appreciate I, it, I, I jump in and go like, oh, Miranda, in the, from the other room. Just because I, mm -hmm. I know as a player, Joe's not there. He's got, having to go and do something. I will fill right. those voids in because I could role play for an entire Forever. session Forever. in yeah. the same room. So... <laughs> It's yep. a it's it's a real problem that I uh, try to fix uh, for yeah. myself. But yeah, if you need a void filling, I will. I'll, <laughs> uh, I won't finish that Always. sentence. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so between different kinds of characters, loners, even like the ornery character, so it's, we brought up Miranda. Um, she's not always nice, um, and a lot of it is a defense mechanism. Um, a lot of it is her trying to protect herself and uh not be seen as weak and vulnerable and anything like that but sometimes that can that can lead to upset right um especially if you have relationships with these people outside of the game sometimes it can lead you to taking something personally right there have been times where i've had to check in with people after the game hey uh, you know i said this i just want to make sure did i did i cross any lines was i too mean like if you need me to pull back i will pull back um lee in one of our games i gave him a gift that i thought was a good replacement for something that he lost and he basically was like fuck you buddy i don't need this this isn't even close to what i wanted or, or doesn't mean anything and uh you know it upset my character but then afterwards he was like i felt really bad or like it didn't feel good for me as a character to be mean to you as a character and i just want to make sure that we are good so i know how i personally go about it like i said i will message people outside or even in the moment during the game like i will take a hot second and i'll go to a discord private message and i'll say hey you know are we still okay am i bringing up any like childhood trauma for you like what's going on just if we need to stop we need to stop and i think that 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 can be really um, valuable for people who have relationships outside of it. But um, I, obviously, I'm not the only one because Lee has, you know, checked in with me afterwards. But is that something that crosses your minds as well? Maybe you don't play super mean characters. I don't know. I do know. But you know what I mean. <laughs> um, do I play mean characters? I don't think I play mean characters. Um, if it's me and it, it's usually for a reason like shin recently was a little bit standoffish against some kid who wanted to come on the journey he also doesn't like people but also he knows this fella's a kid and he's trying to put him off the whole welcoming to the party let's go out into this really dangerous world and start <laughs> killing monsters shin knows what's out there um mm -hmm. and is standoffish because he doesn't want this kid to die he's not an against the kid but he will be mean towards them in order to discourage them from coming with them uh but I, I mean, that's towards the DM in that specific scenario, but I don't think I right. play uh, character, the characters that are mean. Maybe I've played as a DM characters that are mean towards you, but that's kind of part of the job is playing the bad guys. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, in terms of well, characters... Well, it can be spicy. It can be spicy, but he, he, he means well. And, you know, it's, it's a play on, mm -hmm. on traditional boomer tropes uh as well so <laughs> he, he's mean but it's not i don't think it's it's game breaking mean he's not going to disrupt the whole party because yeah. of what he does so yeah i think sam's the first sort of 
meanish character that I've played. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is difficult. It's very difficult because that's not like we spoke about before. It's not how you are as a person to trying to put yourself in them shoes and play that and treat people not like shit, but not not like how you would, not how you respond to things. It's yeah. it's a tough one. Um, so yeah, I definitely always try and check in if I feel like I've upset somebody or, and I hope people if I do upset somebody and I've done it without messaging, I hope people will be able to just say like, I wasn't really happy with that, can we you know, wind back on that or do something with that? Because... Can we just not next Yeah, can time? we just not <laughs> next time? Yeah, I mean that that's totally fine Um, because at the end of the day it is a game that we're playing and we're there to have fun and I don't want to even if it's like I have to change parts of my character, I will do because mm-hmm. we're there for fun. We're not there to all have a rough time for me to be like treat people like shit. That's not what it's about. Yeah. No, I was going to say, I, I like, I, you ask if, oh, have you ever played a mean character? I think, um, no, I haven't. Maybe I should. And then I start thinking <laughs> about what that would actually look like. It's hard. And I think, actually, that doesn't sound fun at all. Like, I, I sort of enjoy being irritating. Like scratch uh, yeah, lighting. Yeah. You don't uh, say. Cheeky irritation <laughs> is always yeah, it's, like, it's always pretty fun like, too. Like scratch uh, changing uh, your bath water temperature repeatedly mm-hmm. from underneath, and like hurrah speaking deliberately even more slowly than he is actually capable of speaking, and yeah, just not not really taking notice of the party. And like I, there are things that I enjoy doing that are that could be considered mean. But I feel like they're play. I think you said it, Jason. They're more like playful than they are mm-hmm. actually cruel or hurtful. But I've never played what you might consider an evil race. Yeah, I think there's a fine line between being mean, though, and playing evil characters. Because evil yeah, characters true. can still have great relationships with the people that are around them. They're just evil externally from a moral standpoint for the rest of the world yeah, yeah, yeah. but they're not technically bad people uh within their small circle yeah that's true the villain's not the villain in their own story they're the hero aren't they? <laughs> i mean <laughs> interesting though I, I will i will just say because i am i am not that person and i enjoy kind of pushing myself role play wise into places that I don't go. We talked about this in character creation, how I always kind of find pieces of me. And so I've been challenging myself to just keep pushing and find somebody who isn't me. And even like I find pieces of me in Miranda, even though Miranda is 100% not me. Like I would never say the things that Miranda says to intentionally hurt people. I am so, so as a person constantly worried about people being upset by something that I've done or said or unintentionally, like if I want to be a bitch, you will absolutely know it. But like in general, I'm, I'm not Miranda and that can be really hard um, to kind of work and, and push through. And it's a, I don't want to say it's a fun exercise. It's an interesting exercise. So if you do want to play a mean character, I think that you could do it. I do think that you personally might also struggle in the same ways that I do. And you're like, I just want everybody to know that I'm not really this person. Like this is, I didn't, like when they said it, it wasn't me that was saying it. And I didn't really feel that way. So I just wanted to make sure that you know that we're okay. (laughs) At some point, I would love to uh, play a really mean, horrible, nasty character Join the session exactly on time 
play the session and then leave immediately as soon as we're done and just not say a word. <laughs> just Deuces. have it leave everything in people's mind and try and leave all that anxiety behind. It won't work, but I'd love to do it. Wow. Okay. Well, you work on that. I'll let you just ruminate with it for a second. Um, <laughs> so that's a little bit on that emotional damage kind of spectrum, right? Um, speaking of emotional damage, Jason, um, we are going to talk about uh, backstory relationships. I know that I've said that I like to start my backstory either with my parents or my grandparents. Like I start it way further on the line than just me and I create relationships and um I know that there are some dungeon masters <coughs> Jason Lee <coughs> that like to have relationships that they can manipulate throughout the campaign um and that does it it gives you it gives you a real sense of um weight and gravity to your situations right I, I think that it's it's good and i always kind of i think hand you guys things on a platter with my backstories but um let's let's talk about bringing that ammunition to the table um in your backstories do you generally have relationships there for dungeon masters to manipulate or for you to fall back on and just use as kind of fodder to talk about in conversations? Um, does the DM side of you affect how you implement those uh, relationships in your backstory? And I have them there because I know that I would want them as a DM, so I'm going to give them to my DM to, to screw around with me with. Let's yeah, I, th I think that's that's sort of like my logic is... I, I I put them in because it gives the DM something to use. Like, if there's something they need me to do and it's emergency, yeah, throw my father's in danger and he's being held at will and we have to, like, they, we need to get there there and then. That's going to make, like, a fire under my ass and make me get there because mm -hmm. you would in real life. You, well, if you had a good relationship, but most <laughs> of my characters tend to, um, tend to do that. But, yeah, you would. You just put... It, it gives it so that the players will rush to that and put some weight to whatever's happening. If you don't get there on time, if you don't make it there, then you know, you're going to lose somebody who's very important to you. That might really mess your character up or have an effect on them. It's, yeah, I think putting it in there is good for the DM, and that's why I usually throw it in. Mm -hmm. um, but it does also, like you said, it does help having somebody in your backstory that you can talk about saying, oh yeah, my father, yeah, he was a great fisherman. He did this and sailed over here. Helps the inventor with role play. of Toaster Strudel. <laughs> toaster Strudel, yeah, 100%. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, you know, yeah, made made the, uh, that fishlish. But it's it's brilliant to have something to be able to fall back on and talk to. So you've got that role play to just talk freely and spur it out with having, without having to go, right, I need to think about this. What am I going to say? I've got to remember that for next time because I've just made it up. I've got to make a note of this. And then you're sort of pulling yourself away from the situation rather mm -hmm. than you've already got that all up there because you've wrote it down and thought about it already. You just blow yeah, it out I and think flow with it. It's overlooked quite a lot, the those backstory um, relationships of family members because it also gives you something to role play with other players and not necessarily for the DM. Uh, you can start talking about my wife is trapped in this amulet that's around my neck and here's the story about how you do it and the, the, it gives you an excuse because it's an item that's on you or like the mirror that you that sam's got like you know, why, why is that mirror so precious to you and then you have the opportunity to lie uh, or tell the truth uh, about what is, is what it's for and 
it it does create those uh, deeper connections and relationships with the other players' characters as well because of learning history of your character and bonding via that those um you know trauma events or external relationships to what you're currently doing and it humanizes them a little bit more for the other players mm-hmm. as well yeah. in contrast i have found that having stuff like that written into my backstory already actually damages my rp rather than helping it because if i have written into my back a khan great example we had a good idea of who his parents were and what they did and as far as i know they were dead and gone or whatever but they were gone one way or another and then as jason started weaving them back into the story i had to play mental gymnastics to try and work out how I could give more history about them, more relevance to them. Um, Because I'd already set some things in stone, I I was a little more restricted on where I could go and what I could do and how how my brain was working. Whereas if I'd just gone with it, the times that I have just done it and I've totally improvised, uh, I've been able to on the fly just come up with something and and maybe keep it vague enough that we can then work together to flesh it out rather than it being oh well they wouldn't have done that because of all these other events that i've already written down that might not have come out yet mm-hmm. but also if i've got it written down i've got to read i've got to, I've got <laughs> yeah, to, read got to, to find the information the sheath. i get that yeah. joke because it, it's playing the game of what do, what from the perspective of my character what is their backstory so when you start talking about stuff from the perspective of Khan, his parents disappeared. And he thinks, oh, they're probably dead. That's the most likely scenario here. But from a DM's point of view, I go, his character doesn't know that they're dead or not. They just disappeared one day. I'm going to yeah. use that. And it's it's being loose that it's writing your backstory from the perspective of your character and not going, here's my, like, this happened and it's all this. It, it, it creates it a little bit makes it looser for the DM to then manipulate that backstory and then throw in those curveballs of go, oh, actually, your parents didn't die. They're actually in this Surprise! location. <laughs> um, or actually, they weren't actually just petty fees. They're actually undercover agents for somebody else, and they've actually been captured all this time. And they weren't like, it was the, the enemies that you fought that you had, but actually the allies of your parents instead. And it allows you to do those curveballs, and it creeps the backstory relevant within the game and allows you to add that little bit more trauma because like oh, this character he's over his parents it's been years they're dead you know he moves on this is just a note in my backstory that was a bullet point that threw me forward to the point i am now and then i just come in and go no then <laughs> yeah. And, and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah so it's uh just just changing those stories around that way just i think helps create a little bit more of a dynamic storyline for, for individual characters which i've been going over in my head constantly for your guys's game tonight about how i'm gonna do that implement your backstories so i'm excited for how you guys can to find i out. really 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 hurt them <laughs> <laughs> well that's not speaking that. of <laughs> the one thing and you just mentioned it and our resident rat god in our world um has a wife and kids um I have not come to the table 
with a spouse or children ever in any of my characters. Um, I have then played a character who was a child of one of those other characters, but that was after that campaign was already done. And I'm thinking that if I, if I honestly reflect on that, that maybe that's a, a Kristen defense mechanism because there are people in my life that I hold really dearly and that in my fantasy world, maybe I don't feel like having the um, ideations of those people being manipulated and hurt and used and, and whatnot. So that might be why I stay away from those. I don't know. Maybe I should try it one time. Who knows? But um, you, Jason, obviously have a character that has a wife and that that has a very specific I mean that is I think the genesis of that character going to do anything right yeah your, your uh, speedy spider wife yes uh, we were cast by a witch or a dragon uh, it could have been anything the cast doesn't matter I said that something has cast us my my wife was a witch she has upset the wrong person I'm just mm -hmm. a, I was just the log cutter and she fancied me and you know I was just the commoner until I married this witchy wife and I go, oh, she's, you know, she's witchy. She does all the potions and stuff and she does these herbs and helps out the local villagers. And I'm out here chopping wood down and making little carvings for the kids and stuff. I was just like a normal dude. But then she goes and does something to upset someone and it affects me directly because I'm married to her. And his whole story, I hope, is an arc to go, my wife is now a spider and i'm holding it in this necklace and i'll take it out when i can but to keep her close to me and keep her safe she's in this little tube that's on always around my neck so i can take her along with me while i try and fix this solution also i'm only alive because i ended up chopping off like my leg in order to not turn into a spider because i knew she's already a spider one of us has to get us out of this situation my legs off and a spider leg grew out of it so he's walking normally because he's a semantic hybrid. So he's human half beast. So that's the way I've weaved that into the story. Um, and his whole arc or his whole reason for doing anything he's doing and why he's getting better and why he's making all this gold. He's making like 50 gold for an adventure where previously he's making maybe three gold a year just from selling wood carvings because that's a common yeah. kind of income. It was modest. Mm -hmm. He lived in the woods. He hunted for his food. He didn't need a lot of gold. And now he's just like got all this money. Everything's new to him. He's like, why weren't I adventuring sooner? Yeah. And, you know, I'm actually discovering all these dangers that are in the world. It's not just a peaceful little life in the forest anymore. It's a whole situation that's going to be life or death up until the point he succeeds in doing what he's doing. And, you know, I've give Jaffa all that ammunition to go, this is what's happened. I don't know who it is who's done this to my wife. That is totally in your hands. I'm going to give you that creative opportunity to say, well, it's the dragon at the end of the campaign or it's the dragon's advisor and she was doing something on the side that upset them. It wouldn't, she wouldn't make them a potion of certain kind or get, divulge certain intelligence. So they got cursed in some way. Or maybe it was a witch coven that is separate from the main story that she kept on denying. Maybe she left because of the love for my character. And mm -hmm. to be part of the coven, you have to be unwed. It opens up so many different pathways. Sure. Uh, and yeah, the other players' characters can sympathize with that as well. Mm -hmm. Because it's, a, it's a, a love loss story, which they can yeah. all kind of understand. 
What about you two? Have you ever come to the table with, uh, I mean, Scratch may have babies that he doesn't even know about, <laughs> like all so, over the world, little like birdlings squawking well, as far about. As I know, as far as I know, Scratch hasn't slept with any uh, other bird-like creatures, and he has a cloaca, so he probably doesn't have any kids. Um, <laughs> no, I I don't think I have. I I mean, Odo desperately wants relationships and love, for sure. Um, but I don't think I've actually played someone that's got them already. Though, I, I, I thinking back to my campaign, um, Liam and John played a married halfling couple mm -hmm. and they were two of my favorite characters to to watch play because yeah. it led to some very natural very easy rp um for guys who weren't used to the game and didn't just they just went for it because they knew mm -hmm. how to behave as a, an old married couple it was great <laughs> uh no i don't think i've ever come in with a wife or child um huh. closest thing would have been Auric uh getting in a relationship with the called cat in game cat. though, right? Yeah. Her yeah, name yeah. doesn't matter, it was terrible. But <laughs> was it like Caitlin or That's it, Caitlin. The draw. I didn't yeah. even have to pull the my drow. notes out for that. Um But yeah, that, 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 but that was that was formed and then it he became really attached to her. Mm -hmm. Um she became his uh, associate and his sort of like group afterwards as well, given intel and you know sympathised with him, even though she was there to kind of backstab him from the beginning anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, but that yeah, that 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 even forming relationships in game after you've written your backstory and doing things like that, that definitely gives the DM uh, stuff to roll with and play with, yeah. because then. Jason knew that I had this connection that he could pull on and either manipulate my uh yeah manipulate my character to do more. Uh, it's all yeah. about the manipulation of what I do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, but Evelina has expressed recently that she would like to play in a campaign where we are a spouse, where we're just a mm -hmm. married couple, so we can kind of play ourselves, but in a fantasy world and and do all this cool stuff. Um, and yeah. she's expressed that, which I think would be real cool to do with a spouse to play that kind of relationship in the fantasy D&D world setting yeah. I think it'd be pretty interesting to what we get up to because we can we have the access to the magic to do things uh, for each other as well and yeah. I don't know just it just seems like it would be an interesting thing to to play out because if if one of us does die that'd be really interesting to to see how we would deal with that in game mm -hmm. well speaking of romance and uh valentine's day being still fresh in the air um let's talk a little more about romantic relationships specifically about npc romance or even relationships romantic relationships between two pcs like those two little halflings you were talking about in your campaign joe um how do you feel about those kind of relationships within the within the game and when is it too much is it ever too much? Does it ever like go, okay, guys, we just, we don't need to have all of that right now, just very colorfully explained to us or like, how, how do we, how do we feel about it? I feel super awkward because I feel like sometimes those kind of relationships are um, 
I don't want to say naturally occurring, but there's, you know, we you build friendships between your characters, even if you as people don't necessarily get on, and vice versa. Even if you're best friends, you sometimes your characters just will not get on. And I feel like it's very easy for that to eke over into the uh, romantic side of things, especially because in a roleplay setting, playground tactics seem to be more prevalent than in the real world. I've the noticed whole, like, that as well, yeah. Yeah, I, I, and I don't know why. Maybe it's the childish delight of, you know, being in a fantasy environment, but it just seems to be the case. Um, and I started saying I feel awkward, and that's partly because I think I already mentioned the only person uh, I've had a character have any kind of romantic relationship with was Scratch, uh, and he slept with Ezekiel. Um, so character-wise, I've only had a same-sex romantic relationship mm-hmm. in all of my playing, and I feel this sounds terrible, but I feel weird doing a, 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 a doing a heterosexual romantic uh, scenario because I just don't I don't know how that would come across. I think I'm more worried about <laughs> it being taken the wrong yeah. way or about causing offence. But the the guy that was playing Ezekiel was he almost instigated it, and we you know got on well enough that we could just make a um, have fun with it. And be silly with it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I he died. I don't and think then this... he died almost immediately. <laughs> I don't think it's ever too much. That, like you can go too much with that. I think it's all about what the table's comfortable with, how mm-hmm. they want to proceed. Whether you want to fade to black or whether you want to describe, like, I don't need uh, someone's full the details. In your mouth. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that that was a turn of events. But yeah, it, I don't think you need to go. Like, there's no limit. I don't think. It's all about your table. But for me, I don't think I need to know, like, oh, I put it in so far and all this and all that. No, we can do, you get dressed. <laughs> yeah, you get dressed. Oh, some people do. They get really graphic with it. But you can you can just do, we take our clothes off, we kiss, and we get on and we have a good time. Or we, you know, fumble around, roll around the room or whatever. Whatever you're into. Sometimes I'm playing fine. chicken with you though, Lee, and just see how far you want to go with it. <laughs> I might die. Like if somebody, if somebody st- I might die. I get so awkward. <laughs> but a lot, a lot of my games that I run, I have a lot of players end up sleeping together or forming relationships or with each other, or they will end up forming a relationship with another NPC. Um, and like we've got a wedding. We had an engagement in the last one. We've had uh, two relationships, I think, with uh, Kane and Friedrich. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so it happens. It's good. It's working well. Put you in a couple of awkward situations as well, Jason, with uh, <laughs> yeah. Leia and Chef when you went in and started flirting with her. And then yeah. she just yeah, popped the finger in your mouth. And Definitely 18 plus game, Lee's game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. But. Um, I, I don't feel, sometimes I will feel a bit awkward, but that I think it's more like Joe said, I'm worried about what everybody else is thinking because I want I want to be able to play that moment and give the player an authentic experience. Not as in, I'm going to describe everything in detail, but it, that it means something like a, a, an emotional connection there for them, that this is happening and they're going through it. But I don't, want, I, I don't know how everybody at the table's taking it. And that's that's sometimes how I feel awkward. 
sometimes I will not care one bit and I can just run with it and do fine. But it's when I stop and think about it and get in my own head that I struggle with it. Yeah, I think that, that group on the first day, even prior to games, the, the talks get pretty graphic yeah. without any D&D being involved. So I think that we're all quite comfortable talking about that stuff in general anyway. And then Kristen joins and we're in the middle of some kind of horrific description of something. Yeah, she's, she's like, like right, I'm going to leave again. <laughs> what's this now? Wow. Like, what, what are we talking about this time? <laughs> Listen, I mean, I just, just, just... Let me be awkward. <laughs> you've you've been close to having a relationship. Um so a couple of the, times. Uh the the relationship that I was closest to having was with Cora. Um and now in my fantasy land she has married this person and they have children and they are, you know, doing well. Um but that was after um that was actually after that that person left the campaign. Um, but it was, it was interesting because it was this awkward, like, I don't like I, Kristen don't know how to read those kind of cues. Like as a person, I definitely cannot read those kind of cues as a character as it turns out either. So I had a conversation with this person and it, uh, they said to me like, Oh, I thought that I thought that, Cora was already Bark's girlfriend. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, I mean, Bark never said anything to her, but okay. Well, I mean, at least I know that we're on the same page with this now, right? And then, you know, that person dropped out of the campaign again and broke Cora's heart again. But, you know, like I said, she's good now. She, they're married. She's forgiven him. And uh, they have babies. And those babies are doing great things, too. Um <laughs> But other than other than that, I don't. I mean, a a 2.0 gave Odo a little kiss. That's on true. a boat, no less. On a boat. Yeah. Let him on a Titanic. Very romantic. No, she doesn't. She still doesn't have really any idea that Odo is interested. Yeah, like Atuza is very Atuza very specifically is very Kristen in that way because she is she's a half orc who has been judged as being ugly and strong and not feminine and this that the other thing and the only relationship that she has had was basically this person wanting her because he thought that she was basically good stock and um this is the one that that you had the opportunity to maybe meet but I was like let's let's, let's just go um <laughs> And um, he abused her and then he set her up and he was literally trying to get her killed because she rejected him. And like that is that is the extent of Atusa's relationships. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, she 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 didn't know what's going on, which is interesting because uh, in that sense, Odo is very much Joe as well. Just completely oblivious and naive and fairly yeah. useless. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Well, he's going to have to do something there, I think. Oh, God. <laughs> if we ever get back yeah, to the boat. Yeah, like, fuck, yeah. My, my favorite thing about all of that, talking about relationships of all sorts, you're, you have a family member in that, in that uh, boat mm -hmm. scenario <laughs> who is actively like, well, I'm going to give him relationship tips. And I like, know. Oh. <laughs> so, so for anybody listening that doesn't know... Um, my oldest child is in that is in that little one shot uh, chronicle with us, and um, 
Joe actually reached out to me one day. He's like, I just want to make sure this isn't too awkward for your kid. I was like, my kid absolutely loves what's happening. And I don't know. I haven't sat down to process that. But he is taking on like, I'm going to be your wingman. I'm going to give you advice to go and like <laughs> no, try and number one is very mature, character. Though, isn't it? And we've spoken about number one in the past. He, he is very in touch with his emotions and, and reality. Mm-hmm. And, and so and the, there's no problem playing this kind of stuff out with, with number one. He's, no. a, he's a pretty cool kid. He is a super cool kid. Um, but yeah, you were talking family member. It was like, Jet? No, no, no. Well, that's right. It's, <laughs> it's my kid, which makes it even more awkward. Um, but it's great. It's great. Um, okay. Well, that just about wraps up another episode of this podcast. Thank you so much to my lovely group of friends for continuing to entertain me and keeping these conversations going. A special thanks to each and every one of you listening. When we say we're so happy you're here We truly mean it. The world would not be the same without you. And I challenge you to take some time this week and tell a couple of people some things you really like about them. For you, it might just be a passing comment, but your words might be exactly what they need to hear and maybe even stick with them for the rest of their life. From all of us here, stay cool, kids. But if you can't be cool, be wicked. Until next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Wherever you found us today, don't forget to like and subscribe for more great content. And if you want to find out more about what we do, how to support us, pick up some merch and find links to our friends like JB Media, visit us at wickedcoolkids.co.uk. Yeah.